Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. All right, guys, welcome back to the Macabre Academy. Yeah, I'm stumbling. Okay, we're already stumbling. This is not good. (laughs) All right, my name is Nerdy Witch, if you're new here. And then um, my name is also Steffi. And uh, this is my podcast that I share with. I'm Kevin. I'm along for the ride. I was supposed to be a one-time guest and got roped into being a co-host, so you stuck with me. (laughs) I'm also giving up a 24-hour endurance race and a hockey game to be here for this, so. (laughs) That's why we love Kev. He sacrifices so much for the show. I really do. Mm. And cigar time. It's supposed to be cigar 30 right now. (laughs) Why don't you go light up a cigar? We can wait. Because... No, because then it would be like fucking midnight by the time we get this shit done. Let's just let's get into this. Yeah, we don't have patience for over an hour and a half, so let's try to keep it in reined in. But uh, so our last last watch party, super fucking fun, right? We watched Soaked in Bleach about Kurt Cobain. Uh, we saved that for the episode, but while we were in the chat, Tara of House Barnum gave me an idea. Our f- favorite House Barnum member. Yes, she gave me an idea for an episode, and I just kind of latched onto it, and I went down a rabbit hole. So, since my favorite holiday—just <coughs> kidding. Uh, so, VD is coming up. Uh, it's very Aerial Disease Day. Yeah, yeah, Awareness Day is what I like uh, to yes. call it. <laughs> um. So instead of going into like Saint Valentine, right? We're gonna actually look at death. By chocolate, I like to call it. I'm so proud of me. (laughs) So I started doing research into the macabre history of chocolate. And it's got a it's got a dark and rich history, if I should say so myself. A little creamy, milky. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) That's some caramel in there. Hey, it slides down the throat hole very easily. A cookie underneath it. Are you just wait? Are you just grabbing a, a tag along? What is yeah, that? Twix. Twix. Oh, I was okay. <laughs> All right. So I I kind of want to begin. You know what else is a fun word? Mm. Nougat. That word is underrated. It's such a good word. It really is. We need to. We it's need to so work. fun to say. How can we work that into the episode? How many times can we say? Nougat? I think we just did. I know, but we need to keep a count or something. But I think we, I think we actually kind of sandwiched it in there. All right, so look, let's play a little game, Kev. All right, let's see how many times we can say the word nougat, and the first person to give us a count on the Patreon after the episode gets extra house points. Okay, I can, I can get with that. Can you work with me on this one? Does it have to be like organic to the conversation, or can I just like shoehorn it in? Whatever you want. I mean, I love a good right. segue so we can tuck it in, do. But if we have to be abrasive and beat somebody over the head with the word nougat, we should. Feels like this is going to get a little sticky. <laughs> I'm sure Sound Maiden doesn't mind, right, Sound Maiden? <laughs> okay. All right. So let's begin. Yes. Let us. I found an online scientific article called The Poisonous Chemistry of Chocolate. So we're going to start there. Fun. 
Yeah. And it even has the etymology in it, which is my favorite. I know, which is when I was chopping up the notes, I was like, oh, I'm going to leave this for Steph. (laughs) (laughs) I love the good nougaty center of word. You know, you got to know where I tried. Okay. Forget it. (laughs) All right. So the Latin name of the cocoa tree is Theobroma cocoa or cacao. Pick, take one. And oh, my lights blinked. That was kind of scary. Did you see that? Oh, my no. one light gave out. Oh, shit. It's haunted. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. I'm try. It doesn't like, it does not like chocolate. Yeah. We're going to try not to breathe. It's going to be hard considering this okay. is a podcast and it's an audio medium. I know, but there's a video one and it kind of feels here on the Patreon, you know, sacrifice that cup of coffee once a month. Yes, but but if you're not breathing, you can't talk, and this would still be a very boring episode. Okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try not to breathe too much then, but I have to breathe enough to talk. Okay, so the etymology: Theo is Greek for the word God, and brosy means food. So, roughly translated, this means food of the gods. Now, I'll the, take it. Uh, yeah, alkaloids make the bean bitter. Of the of the cacao plant, but the pulp that they are <laughs> what? That's why we had nougat. Yeah, <laughs> is that the uh, the sweetened pulp that holds the cocoa sure. beans? I believe it is. Well, what's interesting is the color of the bean pods don't matter. So there's yellow, green, purple, crimson, and it doesn't actually indicate the flavor or ripeness. The chemical be fun though. Huh? Purple would be fun. Right? Yeah, I was looking up colors. They're really pretty. You know, part of me is so in love with chocolate. I would love a chocolate tattoo of the plant. But maybe that's down the road when I actually make enough money on this podcast for it not to put me in the hole. (laughs) Okay. The chemical in chocolate that we're looking at is called three theobromine, Brian, whatever, theobromine. That's it, which is deadly to some species, even humans. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's an alkaloid nitrogen based. So we're looking at seven carbon atoms, eight hydrogen, four nitrogen, and two oxygen. We're a science podcast now. You know, what was funny is um, I was talking to my best friend. And I guess his baby mama got a little jealous because apparently I'm so accomplished. And he's because I just look. All right. We've done so many weird things on this podcast that I've had to learn science, etymology, and. um, Where nougat comes from. Where nougat come from. Yes. And uh, quantum mechanic physics. I actually just bought a book on mechanics. quantum mechanics because this is we've literally talked about it three times already on this episode in the last year so i bought a book to try to understand it a little bit better so i am learning all these things because i'm an art major so this there is you go. this is fun so i'm just going to press upon the important importance of stem ladies okay do the stem it's good for you you need a solid foundation in the stem even if you're an art person apparently Okay, so other isolated plant alkaloids include, okay, the first one is 
morphine, which comes from poppies, and they discovered that in 1804. In 1860, we see cocaine. 1828, we see nicotine. And then my personal favorite, caffeine in 1828. And strychnine in 1818. Now put a pin in strychnine for just a minute because, yep, pin in it. Because we're going to come back to strychnine later because it relates to death by chocolate. The theobromine was discovered in 1841, which is a mild stimulant for people and can cause twitching if too much is ingested. Now, there's this National Hazardous Substance Database, and they report that large quantities can cause nausea and anorexia. So 50 to 100 grams of chocolate or 0.8 to 1.5 grams of theobromine can result in sweating, trembling, and severe headache. Sometimes, mostly elderly, people can be hospitalized for reactions to the theobromine. So people actually get hospitalized for eating too much chocolate. And then, of course, there's studies that say chocolate is good for you. Uh, In certain doses, it can be used to lower blood pressure by increasing the heart rate and dilating the blood vessels. Also, somebody was exploring it as an ingredient in cough medicines, and it showed that it can open up airways for better breathing. Also, like caffeine, it's a diuretic, so it can stimulate urine production too. So to actually understand how chocolate kills, we have to look at the LD50, or it's known as the lethal dose for 50% of a species. Okay, now this is math. Hang in with me, guys, okay? This. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to carry the nougat and divide by pie. I feel like we're gonna need elevator music here now. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're gonna get it together. I forgot about the new game for like five seconds. Oh my god, this is why I love you so much. Okay. Okay, so we gotta calculate the LD50 by how many milligrams of poison. Per pillar, per pillar. Look what you did to me, Kev. You broke me. <clears throat> Kilograms of body weight. So milligrams of theobromine per kilograms of body weight. So you need a thousand milligrams of the theobromine per kilograms in humans. Okay. And I worked in the cake industry for a really long time. So I didn't realize why a lot of people gave babies vanilla cake on their first birthday, but it's apparently smart because small creature don't want to aggravate too much chocolate because when they're that young, you don't know if they're allergic to peanut butter or anything like that. So you're supposed to slowly add these things into the diet after a year. So chocolate is not a good thing to give a small baby. Apparently good to know. Um, 30 milligrams per kilogram in dogs. No, try again. 30 milligrams per kilogram in dogs. 300. 
I was like, one of our notes is wrong. <laughs> oh my god, it's the last three hundred. They slaughtered everybody. I should, I should. Jesus, stuff. Thirty milligram, three hundred. Try again. <laughs> you shouldn't have <laughs> depleted my brain of oxygen from the nougat joke. <laughs> okay. 300 milligrams right. per kilogram in dogs. So in dogs, a theobromine reaction looks like nausea, convulsions, internal bleeding, and a lethal overstimulation of the heart. And of course, this depends on the size and breed of dogs. It's actually more lethal to cats, 200 milligrams per kilogram, but it's less common for cats to eat cheap chocolate because they're more after the fats in food than sweet stuff. So it's really rare for a cat to ingest something sweet like chocolate, like candy. Rats are this weird exception because they're so close to us. So they react to the same LD50 to humans, um, even though that they're smaller. So I think that's interesting. So of course, the color of chocolate indicates how much theobromine is in it. So dark chocolate is the most deadly because it has the most, followed by milk. And then lastly, white has the least amount of theobromine. Now, I don't know about ruby chocolate because it's now the fourth kind of chocolate, but if I had to make an assumption, it would have a theobromine closer to the white, but they haven't done a lot of studies on that one. And fun fact, using that dark chocolate, uh, animal control has helped get coyote populations under control. Of course, they're poisoning them, but here we are. Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, You can't really catch or release them. They stick mm. to an area like nougat. <laughs> I love this game already. How far are we in? 10 minutes. <laughs> this is great. All right. Now we are going to move into our rich history of chocolate. Yummy. Yummy. <laughs> All right. As far as we know, remnants of the cacao date back possibly between 1900 to 900 BC, which is a period of time known as the early formative period. But the timeline gets fuzzy depending on which scientific journal you read. Oh. Now, if you're like me and don't read scientific journals, it's not very fuzzy because you don't have any understanding at all. So it's all crystal clear. <laughs> well, it's funny. If you're new here, we do not use Common Era. So we don't use BCE. No, no, fuck you, Common Era. I went my entire life with BC and AD. So these are what we use. Okay. That's how we come up with our timelines, just in case you're new here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I read a lot of scientific journals for this. So trying to get a appropriate timeline, wolf. Can we have an inappropriate timeline? Inappropriate? I mean, I can I can work that in my next episode. I mean, I love a good inappropriate timeline. You know, I promise you next episode we'll have an inappropriate timeline. I think all of our timelines are inappropriate when I'm around. <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong. No, you you are not wrong. I also really want to steal this chair to smoke in, but I don't think my wife would approve. Mm. It's it's way more comfortable than the one I've been using. I'm so sorry. So we we have here an online study 
called uh, The Nature, Ecology, and Evolution, which showed us that the civilization, or I'm sorry, no, the cultivation, that's the word I was going for, the cultivation of chocolate was 1,500 years earlier than they had originally thought. Now, we have some evidence for this. Well, they do. I don't actually have the evidence. I just have the notes on the evidence written by the lovely stuff. I want to. I was going to say, if you have that evidence, I would love to see it. I have no evidence. This is an evidence-free home. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Although I did just pick up a Ruth Bader Ginsburg pop for the house, and I've never been prouder. Oh, <laughs> I almost crocheted you a collar, one of her collars. Nice. That would be fantastic. I actually don't know your address to send you things. Well, we have this thing called text messaging where you could ask. Yeah, I'm going to have to start doing that because I still have your beard oil sample from the lovely mystical existence I'm supposed to send you. It's just yes, sitting I'm in my closet. Yeah, I have it. I saved it for you. Okay, where were we before we got off track here? Evidence. Evidence. Yes, evidence shows that the domestication of chocolate in South America at the... I cannot... Mayo Chinchippi. That one. Yeah, I'm committing to that pronunciation. I mean, I got the first part. The second part, I was looking at going... Chinchippi or Chinchippe? Take your pick. I'm going to go with Chihuahua. (laughs) The Mayo Chihuahua. Oh, well, yeah, so they were a culture. They were a culture. Mm-hmm. And they were between 5,300 and... Did you add a zero to this? There was an extra zero. I told you to, to proof this. Here, wait, I will yeah. fix it for you. Right. There, I removed the zero. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Between 5,300 and 2,100 years ago, and we found this out by analyzing analyzing the DNA sequences in pottery of all things, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And in that sequence that we found, that we looked at the DNA at, uh, damn it, they tied up the game. Son of a bitch. Uh, they found traces of theobromines. Scientists, they in white coats with little pocket protectors. You have to have a pocket protector. It's a moral you got, if you're not, Listen, if you're, not, if you're not protecting your pocket, what are you even doing with your life? You gotta wrap that shit up. You gotta protect that pocket. God forbid you get some nougat in there. <laughs> well, we gotta play this game on another episode. <laughs> Scientists analyzed yet more ceramic vessels and found the chemical footprint of chocolate in many places around the world. Archaeology sites show that pre Olmec people prepared chocolate as early as 1750 BC. So we're looking for pre-classic period use. It seems that it was reserved for religious and medical uses. Nothing made it seem that chocolate was for personal use like it is today. So no candies, cakes, treats, snacks, things like that. Because we have found no recipes that have survived. But that also, I mean, that could also just mean that they didn't write them down. <laughs> Who knows? We don't know. We're just guessing. It was also found in sites in Mexico. The hell does that even mean? They Is found the bromine 
traces in the Chiapas, Mexican, Mexico. Um, the site is, oh my goodness, Mokayanian in 1900 BC. So we're cementing that part of the timeline. And then they oh. also found cocoa in Santa Ana site in Ecuador. Yeah, I got that one. You note before it just didn't make any sense. It made sense to me because I didn't know what part I was reading. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's like you left out some words there. Yeah, yeah. I write them down because I know that I don't want to write down verbatim so that I, I have organic conversation when I tell my notes. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you might have to interpret a line as a sentence using your own brain power. I don't have that. <laughs> Full of nougat. <laughs> you and your damn nougaty center. I do together. have a nougaty center. <laughs> now, where were we here before we got off on the whole nougat train? Oh, that would be great though. Nougat train, you just tear pieces off. Arr, arr, arr. Mm, I'm with you. Right? This episode you're already makes in, me want chocolate. This you're is just bad. stuck in traffic. You're stuck in traffic and just this slave just trains are slowly chugging by. You just reach out and just grab a piece of it. And then the wheel falls off because you accidentally grab like a, a key piece of it and the train just derails <laughs> and takes out like seven cars in front of you. And then you're just stuck in a you're just stuck in a, a train wreck that you caused by wanting some nougat. How did you how did you even get there? I'm sitting here and I'm on the ride and I don't even know how we ended up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh god kev redirect please <laughs> this is super hard to harvest due to the height of the trees which can be upwards of 60 feet when they grow in the wild however when they're in plantations they're bred to be shorter at about 20 feet which would clearly make it a little easier to grab the grab the beans off of when you pair this concept with the decorative bowls and jars called Tacomotids, sure. yeah, we're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. Found in Puerto Escondito, it becomes obvious that cocoa was reserved for the upper classes and family gatherings. I mean, they figured this out because apparently these bowls were, ex- were these expensive-ass bowls. And... <laughs> They found way more chocolate than they had expected. The site at Rio Azul. What a great name. Rio Azul. I love it. If I ever become a drag queen, that's going to be my stage name. There is no Dana, only Azul. <laughs> I think we really missed, I think we really skipped over the me becoming a drag queen part. <laughs> I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. Oh, oh, you could be, um, um, Tina Nougat instead of Nugent, Ted Nugent. What the fuck? No, no. I'm definitely going for Rio Azul. Okay, sure. (laughs) 100%. That's my my drag queen name. (laughs) Are we still going to, are we ever going to get around to sponsoring a drag queen? Because we talked about that, right? Yeah, and I keep talking to the drag queen. The problem with drag queens are they're flighty. So getting one to sit still long enough to be on the podcast has been quite the task. I thought we were going to sponsor them and a, and a racehorse at the same time for the massive tax write-offs that would be it'd give us. I mean, I know a few drag queens. I know a few. I know a guy with some racehorses. Yeah, we can. I want to make this happen, but I can't even get the drag queen on the podcast. We don't need him on the podcast. We need him on a horse. I'm sure it's negotiable. Sure, we can figure it out. Mm-hmm. 
I want to figure out, though, the site at Rio Azul. It was particularly interesting from what I understand. Yeah. You know why? Why? Well, it was an ancient Mayan site that housed a tomb with 15 with 15 separate vessels surrounded by male skeletons and pottery. Oh, no, no, no. They surrounded the male skeletons. The vessels were placed in a circle around a couple of dudes ah. in the ground. But I didn't write it very well. That's not what your notes say. 15 vessels surrounded male skeletons. Yes, I thought you just dropped a word. Nope. You should write these notes better. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> okay, Kev, I will work on it. Nah, I'm just giving you a hard time. The pottery was covered in Mayan glyphs, including the one called Kaka. Sounds an awful lot like cacao. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, just just a little bit. Also sounds a lot like cocoa. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to put the pieces together. I mean, I mean they keep fall they keep they keep kind of slightly falling, so we really need to get some nougat between them to sandwich them together. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We need lots and lots of nougat to hold this together. So where were we? Yes. So the vessels. These 15 vessels that surrounded these dudes were filled with a dark powder so that all 15 were sent to the Hershey Center for Health and Nutrition. And the Hershey Center for Health and Nutrition dated the chocolate back to 460 AD. Yeah, from those vessels. I think it's ironic that they sent the chocolate to the Hershey Center for Nutrition and Health. Like anywhere in the world, they could have sent those to get analyzed, and they sent them to Hershey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not saying it was aliens. <laughs> I'm just it's just a bit of a conspiracy. I feel like you could have sent those anywhere. So, you, I mean, maybe not. But I mean, they had the the cacao symbol on the outside of them. But why send them to Hershey? Why wouldn't you send them to the leading world authority on? Because Hershey's used to dealing with stale chocolate. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I see you. Do you? You're coming for him. Kevin, put your sweatshirt down. You said you could see me. I was making sure you couldn't. Fair. I, I was getting what you were laying down. All right. There you were. I, I was eating the nougat that you were providing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. It was dated to 460 AD, which is a great thing. I guess. I don't know. When we look further into the mines and the chocolate thing, we find ourselves in excavations in modern-day Guatemala, which is always a good place to be. We love Guatemala. It's a great place. Two different codex? Yes. Mm-hmm. From this culture showed that chocolate was nourishment for the rain deity known as Khan and the god personally shed their and the yeah. multiple gods I, I i didn't put the s i was thinking that now i shed their blood to help the cacao trees grow larger and better and produce more i would assume since they're mm-hmm. growing is usually what happens that is the best fertilizer you can find on the planet is blood of the gods just so you know yeah maybe yeah, you want your garden to grow better, you need to sacrifice a god 
get some of their blood, put it over your flower beds, and you're going to have award-winning roses. I'm just saying. Oh, speaking of, started watching Lucifer again. Oh, I just picked up the last fifth. I've just finished the last of the fifth season. Uh, I'm on like still on like the first season. Oh my god, there's one where they go like it's a story based in like the 40s, and it's awesome. Nice. It's so good. Back to what we were talking about, though. In case you're wondering or interested, these are the Dresden and the Madrid code codexes. Yeah, in case you want to look them up yourself. Might as well. We got nothing better to do. Right? Apparently, we're supposed to get ass fucked by snow coming up this week. That's not a negative term for me. Starting Sunday and going through Tuesday. Yeah. It's just supposed to be like snow all the time. And I'm not about it. But I don't really have to go anywhere. So maybe I am about it. I haven't decided yet. I'll get back to you on it. Check my Twitter for updates. Further investigation indicates that Coco was gathered annually to honor Ekcha. Maybe? Yeah. Go with that. Yeah. Listen, we're trying. We're some white people. What do you want from us? Mm-hmm. And Ekcha, or... Chua. Yeah, I'm going with Chua. Yeah, maybe that. Chua? I'm going to go with Chua. Chew me off a piece of that cake cat, cat bar. bar. <laughs> this god was the god of chocolate. Sounds like a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> I'm just going to pu- let that pun be there. I'm just going to let it there. Just let it there? Yeah, because if we don't, if I, if I, if I touch too many more puns, we're never going to get through this. So they ground, they mixed and ground the beans with chili peppers and coin, coin paste. Yeah, they had coin paste back in the day. So much coin paste. Know? So that, much coin That's paste. also how you make nougat is coin paste. It really is. Yeah. Because, but what they actually used was corn paste, and I don't know where <laughs> corn came from. And they made this into a drink that was... I can't spell the word aerated. So I, I phonetically spelled it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this drink of chili peppers and corn paste was then aerated by pouring it between two pots until a thick foam was formed. The vessels used to prepare and serve the chocolate were treated with a reverence by the people there. And some of the uses for chocolate in the Mayan civilization and culture were you had your ceremonies, your rituals, your fists, your fists, your <laughs> and festivals. You gotta have a good uh, you gotta have a good marriage there, some funeral offerings, a little bit of tributing, and of course the ever popular medicine. Oh, I gave myself way too much shit to read here. Do you, you want me to take some of this? No, nope, nope, I got it. Okay. Then there is also the... Is My, that supposed to be an A? No, it's, it's an I-X. Oh, that's an I. It's an I. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Not me either. It's I-X-C-A-C-A-O. If you look up right. the name. Well, this person was the Mayan goddess of chocolate or the cocoa woman. 
She was named after the famed drink and represented abundance, which is always a good thing to represent. Love, love with some good abundance. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Where was I? She was married off to the god of commerce and thus coca beans become money. You know what you can buy with them? Kev, what can you buy with the cocoa bean monies? Well, you can buy slaves for about 100 beans, a rabbit for about 10 beans, or you can buy sex, which costs between 8 and 10 beans. I mean, that seems fair. If you, you know, want a BJ or a rabbit, you're, you're only running about 10 beans. At the beans. same time, preferably. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a kink shame. But mm. Mm. the Aztecs so you can over... you can stuff your nougat into another person for ten beans. Yes, you could. Yeah. So for for so for like a sandwich cookie, you need like twenty. At what point do you get a group discount though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was in the tablets, like. Five for the price of four. I'm just thinking buy five, buy four, get one free. <laughs> oh my God, sure. No? Okay. Hopefully everybody else is enjoying this as much as we are. Otherwise, I feel really bad for them. I don't. They know what they signed up for. What if they're new, though, and they didn't know what they signed up for? They can stop the podcast at any time. No, they please don't. Back. We need the listen time. <laughs> just... Keep listening, just mute it and let it play to the end. We really need that. We really need that listen time. Mm. You don't have to listen, just don't turn us off. Why don't you why don't you get to the Aztecs? I've been trying to get to the Aztecs for like three minutes here. Well, of course you had to figure out the best deal on sex glaze so you didn't have to spend all your cocoa beans. That's just being financially sound. Listen, if Wall Street bets was around during ancient Aztec time, they would totally be on this shit. <laughs> okay. I believe you. You better. The Aztecs took over Mesoamerica and inherited chocolate since they could not cultivate or harvest it on their own. They also mandated that newly acquired territories would grow coca trees and they were ordered to pay taxes and tributes in coca beans. In this culture, chocolate was also served cold instead of hot. It was used as a dessert treat just for the men at banquets though, because of course it was. Mm -hmm. So you as a male would have gotten chocolate and I would have not in Aztec culture. But I could have traded you my coca beans. Yeah. For sex. But I'm not allowed to eat them. I think once you have them, you can do whatever you want. It's <laughs> money. It's valuable currency. I was going to if you want to eat your money, you're more than welcome to. But it seems kind of not a great idea. It's so funny because like in, in Animal Crossing, right? Like I finally manned up and ate some of my peaches and so I don't sell as much as the other fruit so I could plant or, you know, move some shit around on my island. But I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat it because it's money. But oh, I need it so I can break this rock and move this tree. So I had to eat my inventory. Well, the great thing about it is they just keep growing back. Fair. Fair. 
Oh, how'd your stock market go? I did not sell them in time because I didn't know I only had a week to sell them. So they all rotted. Uh oh. Yeah, we didn't tell me that part about you said wait, and I was waiting. And then Sunday rolled around. I guarantee you that in the time you were waiting, a price came up that was perfect to sell it for. Probably. I just wasn't glued to my Discord. Well, that's your problem. You got to figure out when you want to do it. Be like, okay, this is the time frame I'm going to do it. And then you like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, there it is. Actually, people should find us on Discord. Give us more of a reason to be on Discord because that's live chat with you and me 24-7. And the dankest memes. We do have the dankest memes. (laughs) You're so dank. Just absolutely the dankest. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what else was pretty dank? What? The feathered serpent myth. Oh, from, yeah. Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. From 1000 BC. Apparently, he was the god of light, air, and learning, from whom all Mesoamericans claim to be descendant. Yeah. So the myth. Let that- me just tell you that guy got the short end of the stick. That's way too much shit for one god to be doing. Well,. The the myth that follows is... What about Jeff? He's just like the god of biscuits. I mean, we could all help Jeff, the the god of biscuits. We're going to slap some nougat between those biscuits. We'll make a lot of money. Fair. All right. So why don't you tell us the myth of Quetzalcoatl? Because I love this myth. Well, then why, if you love it, it's up to you. You do it. Okay. Well, I was literally telling somebody this in the car the other day. But, okay, so the myth is as follows. People, humans, were poor and hungry. And apparently... was hu- has changed. Yeah, right. Well, apparently it's hard to fucking gather food and nobody could cook for themselves, which does sound like a lot of people I know. But this was all of humanity. And despite all the gods watching over the humans, it was Quetzalcoatl who took pity on them. Now, he appeared to the people in a human form with super powers. So he was worshipped and a palace was built in his honor. Now, what's interesting is that he came from a little dot of light that followed the rays of the morning star to Earth. Kev, do you know what that sounds like? Could be aliens. Yeah. But I'm not saying it's aliens. Listen, we're never saying it's aliens. Never once on this podcast have we said it's aliens, <laughs> but it's aliens. Mm-hmm. And what's also interesting is once this palace was built by the humans for Quetzalcoatl, he invited the other gods down to live in the palace with him. And the goal was for these gods to teach humans how to farm, how to prepare food, how to make art, study astrology, and use calendars. And originally, when they were teaching the people farming, the gods gifted things like maize, beans, and yucca, along with other fruits and vegetables. Now, it was Quetzalcoatl, that motherfucker, who stole chocolate from his twin brother. That was bastard. A, yeah. Yeah. And uh, at that time, chocolate was only reserved for the gods. And this motherfucker gave it to the human beings. How and dare he? I know. It's, it's egregious. And part of his sin was that he taught people how to prepare that shit. Well, of course he did. Yep. Now, the priests at this time got the bright idea to sweeten it with honey, and they also used the cocoa beans as monies. 
Now, when the gods found out, they sent down the god of darkness in the form as a spider to assassinate Quetzalcoatl. Now, this spider hangs out for a little bit, hangs back, and then he realizes that there are people selling, like vendors on the street selling the chocolate drink. So he takes the guys as a chocolate vendor and he sells Quetzalcoatl a drink. Now, when this happens, Quetzalcoatl drinks the drink and he starts acting erratically. He starts dancing and screaming and um, singing at the top of his lungs. And then he fucking passes out. So long story short, this booted him from the seat of power. And then he bravely turned his tail and fled. Now, this was thought to be in shame from his outburst. So his destination was the evening star. Now, as he's fleeing to the evening star, on the route, he dropped the last remaining cocoa seeds along his flight path when he was trying to leave the earth. And the chocolate trees only grow in the last places that Quetzalcoatl walked. Well, isn't that handy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Europe was pretty much ignorant of chocolate until the 16th century. And we can also thank Christopher Columbus because he was a person who found a trading canoe from the natives and inside was chocolate. So he brought it back to Spain and the friars made it popular in Royal court. Also Cortez found chocolate when he was visiting Montezuma in 1519, who was drinking it out of pure gold cups from there. That's the only way to drink your chocolate to be quite honest with you. You don't 100%. drink your chocolate of, of pure gold cups lined with nougat. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> You're literally not living your best life. You need to reevaluate it 100%. Definitely have to, 1000%. Witches, I am in love with this family run business mystical existence, the bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred, so I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio, which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available in the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com For 15% off, use our promo code macabre. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E Chocolate was imported into Europe when the Aztecs were conquered by the Spanish. Now, originally it was used to treat stomach ailments and pain. But somebody got the bright idea in Europe to add sugar to it, sometimes honey, and this was a complete game changer. And it spread game like what? Completely changed. Changed, 100%. Because it was bitter. It was bitter. 
And yes, I, it is. Food of the gods was bitter as shit. Look, I was literally getting into this debate when I was telling this person a story. Okay, let's not saying it was aliens, but if Everybody it was, wasn't aliens, pretty much right. But if 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 you were an alien and you came down to Earth, right, and you gave us people, primitive people, all these fruits and veggies, why would you be on Earth to exclusively cultivate chocolate? Aliens. Yeah, but what were they using the chocolate for? Like, why is that the, one of the most pressure, pressure, precious exports of the planet? Is chocolate? Why would they be hoarding that shit for themselves? Like, it's driving me nuts. They had a surplus of nougat, and they needed to do something with it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, once they changed the game, chocolate spread through all the European courts like wildfire. And then they still added spices up until the 18th century. Now, slavery and chocolate started in the 17th and 19th century. Plantation, put a pin in this too. Plantations are popping up. Sticking in with, some nougat. There you go. The plantations are popping up with the colonizations from the English, the Dutch, and the French. And with this influx of immigrants, mass amounts of Mesoamerican natives start dying off from the disease. So they bring in African slaves to supplement the labor. And this went on for some time. But as chocolate progresses, there is a mechanic cocoa grinder that was invented in 1729 by Walter Churchman in Bristol. And the patent was purchased by 1761, uh, J.S. Fry & Sons. The first chocolate factory was the chocolate, chocolate, it's a French word, (laughs) Chocolaterie Lombard in 1760. Now, after the Industrial Revolution, we start to see chocolate as we know it today. So 1815 alkaline salts were added to reduce the bitterness by Dutch chemist Conrad van Houten. In 1828, they invented a press to separate the cocoa butter, which was a natural fat, from the cocoa liquor process from the processing. And this made manufacture cheaper and more consistent. Now they figured out something magically happens when a machine press adds the melted cocoa butter back into the chocolate to create a solid form. Don't know what it is, but it somehow you have to separate it and reconstitute it and you get this amazing Dutch processed cocoa. And that's coming from Joseph Fry in 1847. Now, if he had deep fried it, he'd really been onto something. Oh, can we deep fry nougat? Sure. That sounds really good. I'm really hungry, guys. <laughs> okay. Milk chocolate was created in 1875 by Daniel Peter. Now, chocolate was still being used in beverages since the mid-17th century. So Dan goes, okay, this is familiar. So why don't we do something a little bit familiar to the chocolate? Dan decides to add Nestle's powdered milk into the cocoa liqueur and you get milk chocolate. There you go. Mm-hmm. And then this is where you start to see the major, major name brands like Linden, Nestle, Hershey, and Cadbury. And that dropped the price of chocolate for the middle classes. But at this time, it was still advertised for women or for courtship. Well, that was certainly a change. I know, right? Um, it went from being only for, for men to suddenly it's okay for women, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if you're courting a woman. Hey, why don't you tell us the f- some actual death by chocolate stories? Why don't you take one of these? 
Okay. The first story is from 17th century Mexico. Mm-hmm. Actually, I learned something interesting about Mexico, which I don't... I'll save it for the end. Okay. The, let's see here. The Bishop of Chiapas? Chiapas? Sure. Sure. We really got to learn some foreign languages on this podcast. We got to get on the Duolingo, not sponsored. We got to get on there. So if they want to sponsor us, if they want to come through with that advertiser money, hit us up. You can find us on our socials. Send us a ma- send us an email. We'll get you in here. Very yeah. affordable rates. Prime real estate. Beachfront views. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Google this- also get sponsors. Also YouTube, which is actually the same company, but neither mind. But fair. So this bishop. This bishop. This bishop. Yep. I'll smack that bishop. <laughs> Wait, no, we're talking about bishops. Yes. Yes. So the bishop and the local ladies had a disagreement. Apparently, the bishop didn't like them enjoying their bittersweet beverage during the mass. Rumor has it that one of the ladies settled the argument by poisoning his chocolate. Payback's a bitch. Which, I like that girl. She's got moxie. (laughs) Moxie's another word we don't use enough. We don't. You know what else the other word we don't use enough is? Nugget. Yeah. You know, we should have been keeping a running total because someone's got to go back and listen to make sure that whoever emails us with the with the number in this episode is right. Well, I, I screen all the episodes, so my dumb ass is going to have to sit here and count every time we say nougat. Right? I feel like we should have been keeping a running total of how many times we say nougat. No, that ruins the fun of the organic conversation. All right, we're going to say nougat 101 times. No, I don't think we should have had a number in mind beforehand. I'm just saying that any time we said we should just put a little tick mark down on some paper. That's too much work. Is it less work than going back and having to listen to it and count it again? Because I have to listen to it anyway for errors. Oh, there you go. I pre-screen all the episodes for editing mistakes. So here we are. All right. So I'm going to snag this next story. You snag away. Yeah, you can do Pope Clement. But uh, the famous story of drinking poison chocolate comes from Lady Marguerite Dunham. Now, Lady Dunham was the second wife of John Dunham, 30 years her senior. And it was her beauty that attracted the attention of many men, including the king's brother, James, the Duke of York. Now, Denham was a respected. What about the king's horses? And all the king's men. Yes. Yeah. Ladies and horses are a thing. Catherine the Great? Sure. Anyway. Proceed. So, (laughs) at this time... Uh, Denham was a respected poet and government official and he was prematurely aging. So he had a limp and was relying on crutches and he had just recovered from a serious mental breakdown during which he believed he was the Holy ghost (laughs) of the, uh, the Trinity, you know, Holy father, Holy ghost, Holy son, you know, that thing. Yeah. The evidence isn't clear on whether Denham knew his wife was the Duke's mistress but apparently it wasn't a very well-kept secret. Some of the sources imply that Dunham ha- was a cuckold of all things. And he was so passionate. Yeah. Yeah. And he not was here king shame. not at all. I mean, that's a thing. People enjoy that. Do that responsibly. Have at it. So Dunham was so passionately devoted to his wife that he was blind to her faults. Basically. If these are to believed, Dunham only learned of lady. 
Hold on. So he already knew about it, or he maybe he didn't, because there's a chance he only learned of Lady Dunham's indiscretion during a trip to Poland. Um, a destination he never reached, because as he found out on the path, he decides he's going to make her pay. So in early November 1667, Lady Denham was sick with her, and a rumor started to circulate that she was, she had ingested poisonous chocolate. She never totally recovered. And then in January of the following year, she died. So this is the yes, one conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we are now on to Pope Clementine. No, Clement, not Clementine. That's something different. Mm-hmm. The, I'm going to go with 14th. I think it's 14th. We have it in Roman numerals. <laughs> I probably should have looked that up. I just want to make it clear that I'm not the one who wrote these notes. <laughs> these are Steph's notes. So. Sorry, I spent like 30 hours of research and then it took me five hours to type this. So yeah, there's errors. It's going to happen. You could, have at least put it, you could have at least put it in non-Roman numerals. You know, I thought you were an expert from History of the World Part 1 on Roman numerals. Nobody around here reads Roman. Okay. Anyway. The 14th. This uh, person was born Giovanni. Phone's phone's too far away. I need glasses. Giovanni Gangarelli. Yeah. Yeah. Near Romani. No, I'm sorry. Near Romani in 1705. He was educated by the Jesuits after school. He became a Franciscan. I know I was making a joke about my inability to pronounce words. Is that because you had too much nougat in your mouth? I did. So good. He He became a Franciscan friar and was promoted to cardinal in 1759. Speaking of cardinals, I just saw one outside my door like two days ago. That's a good omen, right, Cardinals? It is. I was like, I was like, it's January. Why are there Cardinals? Like, I'm not complaining, but I'm confused. Actually, they're one of the few birds that don't 100% migrate. So they're one of the few winter birds. And that bright red sticks out against the snow. So they wind up on Christmas cards a lot. Look at that. We all learned something today. Mm-hmm. I, I'm quite fond of red Cardinals myself. So he was promoted to Cardinal in 1759. And he was a close friend of Pope Benedict the Fourteenth. Well, I mean, they're all, they're both fourteens. They got to be tight. <laughs> yeah. And he was named successor and ascended to the papal throne in May, seventeen sixty nine. Yes. He said sixty nine. <laughs> Clement the 14th inherited a Catholic church in crisis with the Holy See being opposed. Mm-hmm. How does that mean? Um, I think I'm, I'm supposed to say like Holy seat was being opposed. So yes. um, the people were questioning the Catholic church's authority at this time. Uh, yeah, real, real big. Which would make sense as to why the role of the Pope was decreasing in importance and France was wanting to go back to French providences. 
mm-hmm. such as somebody Avignon held by the papacy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. On top of this, Portugal and other Catholic countries were threatening a schism if the interfering society of the Jesuits were not disbanded. Initially, Clement was hesitant, partly because of his genuine admiration of the Jesuits, and partly because he was afraid of their reputation as assassins, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, fair. It may or may not have been warranted that they were like they had that, but I think it's much more. I'm not saying they were assassins, but they but they were assassins. Yeah. New business card: ancient assassin theorist. Yes, we need to we need to keep that one running. I like that. Yes, that's that's a fresh joke, but there will be merch for it eventually. Yeah, I'm still still working on a few things, but. But we definitely need that as we definitely need that as some merch. Write that shit down. I think uh, Sound Maiden will have to take a note on that one for us, please. <laughs> All right, so you got you got fresh new. We got fre- we got fresh. We do. We got fresh new merch. It's a brand new joke, but we're going hard with it. <laughs> Under increasing pressure, and to avoid a total break. Clement banned the Society of Jesuits and they were expelled from all Catholic countries. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like you couldn't really keep a very good track of back in the day. There were a lot of them. It's, like, it's not like there were border crossings where you had to like go through and show your ID. Like yesterday, yesterday you could be like, I'm Fred the Jesuit. Today he's like, nah, I'm Adam. <laughs> Who would know? Nobody, nobody would know. It was easier to blur your identity, yes. That's all I'm saying. The stress which Clement had been under began to take its toll on his mental health. Mm -hmm. So he spent his last year of his life suffering from remorse, depression, a paranoid fear of assassination. I mean, yeah, welcome to the club. We got jackets. (laughs) Being paranoidly afraid of assassins? Yes. Okay. And, yeah, join the club. We got jackets. On the 10th of September, 1774, I got a notification from another Discord server and lost my train of thought. Well, Clement. So, yeah, I'm, I got it right. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. On the 10th of September, 1774, he was violently sick and confined to bed. He insisted it was due to poison which had been delivered to him in a chocolate drink. On 22 September 1774, he died. You know what I've learned? You always ask me at the end of the podcast what I've learned during this podcast. I'm going to do it right now. What's that? (laughs) That bottle of Yoo-Hoo I have in my fridge, I'm dumping that shit down the fucking drain. (laughs) Better, yeah. I am not getting poisoned by some goddamn (laughs) Yoo-Hoo. Well, there's also the chocolate cream killer who poisoned confectionaries. I like a good poison confectionary. Yeah, she she would poison the chocolate nougat center of these Ooh. these candies. So, yes, she did. Yeah, her name was Chris Christiana Edwards. Okay, I thought it was Edmonds. That too, Edmonds. Yes. Okay, so she yeah. was born October third. 
and 1828 to William Edmonds, an architect. And her mother, I think her name was Anne, was the daughter of a Royal Marines captain. And this meant both her parents were, were wealthy. So she had a privileged upbringing. And her brother was also an English solicitor and antiquary. So money was coming in. So she had a really good advantage starting out in her life. But she was diagnosed with hysteria in the early 20s. Now, <laughs> Her early 20s, not the early 20s. Right, her early 20s. Yes. So I had to look this up. Because I, I know, like, they say hysteria, hysteria, hysteria. So, But I'm like, I don't, I, I really need to pick this apart. It's a psychological disorder now regarded as a single definite condition whose symptoms include uh, conversion of psychological stress into physical s- symptoms, uh, selective amnesia, showing volatile emotions, and overdramatic or attention-seeking behavior. And this term was very controversial as it was formerly regarded as a disease specific to women. Of course it was. Uh Uh-huh. Now she lived with her widow mother, mother, mother in the 1860s. Her mother was a mother. Yeah. (laughs) And really there's not a lot of information on her life until she had an affair with local doctor named Charles Beard. Now this was an antiquated love. And Christina couldn't take it anymore. So she put fate into her own hands. Now, Charles' wife fell ill in 1870 after she had eaten some chocolates. And she was close to death, but she wound up living to die another day. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah, I I was forcing it, but it needed to be there. So Dr. Beard suspected Edmonds, but there was a lack of proof. And bringing the affair into investigation would have been super scandalous, right? At the time. Scandalous. So scandalous. I don't think you can handle this. <laughs> no, I can't. Like, I literally can't. Now I'm sure this definitely put an end to his relationship with Edmonds. Cause he couldn't afford any more scandal. You still feel like covering 1871. You were supposed to cut Cover 1871. I was supposed to cover the first part. Oh, I just blew through it. Okay. I noticed you did, but I'll take 1871 if you want me to. Yeah, do it. Do it. All right. We're now in 1871 for those of us playing the home game. (laughs) Not have Kevin and Steph actually prepared for the podcast in any meaningful way. (laughs) I mean, I wrote all the notes that counts, right? Yes, but I said we didn't prepare. Oh, God, no. No. We didn't even know we're playing the nougat game today. We we didn't we didn't realize we were doing this podcast till about eight hours ago. Fair, yeah, fair. And then you got a little snippy with me, which we're gonna have to have a talk about later, but not tonight. <laughs> I'm not allowed to tease you. Oh, oh, as long as you were just teasing me, yes. Throw a sarcasm tag in there next time; we'll be fine. Oh yeah, it was just really funny because every time me and Kev go to record, something's going on. <laughs> I pick the worst times to record and I get a distracted Kevin. Hey, let's <laughs> usually let's my- record during the siege of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and great. in the middle of a 24 hour race and in the middle yeah, of the night Wednesday. when you should be sleeping and spending time with your wife. Like I pick the worst times. You forgot the penguin game. That too. Yeah. Penguin game. I'm Which surprised is now tied going into the third. We didn't, we didn't record on inauguration day. Did we? 
the 20th? No, I I don't think we did. Okay, good. I didn't, (laughs) didn't botch that one. Uh, We're going to have to like, we're going to have to make like a Google calendar so I can find the day with like the least amount going on. Eighteen seventy one. That's where we were going with this. Uh-huh. Christiana had purchased some strychnine from a local chemist by the name of Isaac Grant. Garrett. And the yes, Garrett. <laughs> and the reason that they gave was to kill some stray cats that she had found bothersome. So really, fuck this bitch. Because if you're trying to kill some cats, we're gonna throw hands. we're throwing hands. I purposely made sure I left that in there for you because that was her scoot. Or so she said it was to kill the cats, which we're still going to throw hands. I don't care if she's dead or not. We're throwing hands. (laughs) You can have a a say. You can do the seance thing. Bring her out. Her and I are going to (laughs) fight. Okay. (laughs) In reality, this was a plot to carry out a mass poisoning campaign to cover up the fact that she targeted Mrs. Beard. Mm-hmm. It had something to do with the, a different kind of pussy. Yes. <laughs> so to cover up, let's just, to cover up for the fact that she tried to kill one person, she's now going to kill everybody. Yes. Solid logic. It's got moxie. <laughs> oh, it gets better. I feel like there might be some sticking points in here that require some nougat. Yes. Yes. Lots of nougat. Lots of nougat. She then went to John Maynard, a local confectioner, to acquire some to acquire some chocolate creams. She then poisoned the cream with strychnine and returned them to a store. Apparently, health and safety regulations weren't a thing back then. <laughs> because Maynard returned them to the stock. For sale. Isn't that amazing? It really is. Yeah, mind-blowing now. I can't return some bags to Target without a receipt. Mm-hmm. But this guy just is like, yeah, I'll take this chocolate back. What the hell? Mm-hmm. What could and possibly re- go wrong? And resell it. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're going to take it back, you should resell it. I wonder if he charged her a stocking fee. Hmm, that would have been smart. Then maybe she would have done it as much. It's like, oh, I got to pay a fee? He's like, ah. Pay a fee. Anywho. Okay. That joke kind of died. It did. I'm so like sorry. It was, like you it was pulled out by strychnine. Hey yo! Right back in there. <laughs> Slowly, people were starting to get violently ill. Following the indigestion of the strychnine, symptoms of the poisoning usually appear within 15 to 60 minutes. People who were exposed to low or moderate doses would have the following symptoms. Agitation, apprehension or fear, ability to be easily startled, restlessness, painful muscle spasms, possibly leading to fever and kidney or liver injury, uncontrolled aching of the neck and back, rigid arms and legs, jaw tightness, muscle pain and soreness, difficulty breathing, Dark urine, and I think I may have been poisoned by, poisoned by strychnine at some point here recently because <laughs> I have a lot of these. <laughs> My back is killing me. Yep. Well, maybe you should make sure you check your nougat for strychnine, not just oh. your yoohoo. 
I keep adding. I think the problem is I keep adding strychnine to my to my nougat. Mm. Yeah, that could be. I like that the taste. Could... Nutty. <laughs> Actually, when I did the uh, Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, there were chocolate coated strychnine tablets in the cabinet. I had the label. I have a la- picture of the label somewhere, but it was impressive. They used them for medicinal uses. Well, of course they did. <laughs> oh yeah. Everything was used for medicinal use. Mm. But I don't know why you would want dark urine on purpose. Not here to kink shame. Fair. Investigators did not link what they had. Patience? Yeah, yeah. so the people. Apparently my brain just di- my brain just stops working at some points, apparently. Like, I'm reading along going, I know that's a word. <laughs> What does that word say? The, it I don't understand. should have said the patients. That would have probably no, helped like, you. No, my brain, like, I, I looked at the word and went, I know this is a word, but I don't know what it says. Like, I, it, I don't know. Like, I think there's something wrong with me. I probably should go see a doctor. Your brain is full of nougat. It, it very well, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, investigators did not link what the patients had consumed in common with each other. So the cause of the poisoning remained unknown. They did not have a very good CSI team back then. No, not in the 1870s. They they get a call up that what's his face from NCIS. The old guy. I can't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah, no, sorry. Hit us up up on the socials. let Let us know how wrong we are here. Yep. After this, Edmonds began to pay local children to buy chocolate for her. And apparently, it was somewhat successful in covering her tracks. In 1871, a four year old named Sidney Albert Baker was on holiday with his family. They took a trip to the Menards. And the child died shortly after. Good old coroner David Black ruled the death as accidental. According to the Victorian mindset, no one would willingly harm a small child, let alone be the culprit of a mass poisoning. We know today that Sydney had been murdered by ingesting strychnine poison chocolate creams, and this was the only death. Caused by Edmonds. Mm-hmm. So her mass poisoning did not ultimately be successful. She only managed to kill one person, but still got the name, the chocolate cream killer. But she wasn't like done after she heard about this shit with Sydney, right? So she starts mailing people surprise packages of chocolates, including Mrs. Beard again, which was still unsuccessful. Successful because apparently Mrs. Beard did not learn her lesson, ate the chocolates, became ill, and fully recovered again. Now, this is what the authorities finally realized that the candy was being poisoned. Now, Edmonds attempted to mail chocolate creams to herself so she could also claim to be a victim. This was an Hail Mary attempt to take the heat off herself and try to place the blame on Maynard. But then finally... Dr. Beard, like, nuts up, all right, and he goes to the cops, and he says, look, I was flirting with Christina Edmonds, 
by exchanging sexy notes, but I didn't fuck her. Okay. I'm sure she got that jealous. Must, that must be the that must be the slowest form of sexting ever. Really, yeah. Sexy notes. It's a, he's claiming that his only pro, like only mistake was flirting with Edmonds via sexy notes. And that was enough to set off her to be jealous of his wife and poison her. This is what he said to the cops. You know they were fucking. There's nobody nobody gets this crazy over sexy notes. Really? Apparently. Okay. You know what I go crazy for? What's that? Nougat and tentacles. Yeah. What about what about tentacles made out of nougat? Oh God, yeah. That sounds really good. I gotta get some molds now. I gotta make this a thing. (laughs) Okay, so Edmonds was arrested for attempted murder. The trial took place at the Old Bailey in January 1872. Now, Christina's mother comes to her daughter's defense explaining that she has hysteria and a family history of mental illness. The chocolate cream killer was sentenced to death. But the sentence was commuted to life imprisonment on the grounds of insanity. And she wound up dying in the Broadmoor Lunatic Asylum of 1907. Okay, Kev, two spots left. Do you want more deaths by chocolate or do you want what's going on with chocolate today? I'll take what's behind door number one. All right, do your thing. These are fun. Uh, we're not sure how true these are. Yeah, the sources are spotty. Stopped. That's never stopped us before, so we're just going to run with this. Yeah, just just know the the sources were spotty, okay? <laughs> spotty at best. Like I said, that's literally never stopped us before. Mm-mm. I just had to add the disclaimer. Don't come at me. I love a good disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's full of nugget. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1910... A young woman while di- a young woman died while trying to share her chocolate with co-workers. She attempted to cut the bar into pieces and instead slipped and cut an artery in her leg. Yeah, major artery bled out. In 1934, a woman was charged with killing two children with strychnine laced chocolate. I'm starting to see a pattern here. Yeah, strychnine is perfectly delivered to victim via the chocolate. Apparently. They're perfect. They go right together. In the 1960s, iron pills were chocolate-coated. They resembled and tasted so much like candy that many young children ate them, and some of them didn't survive. In uh, Like the Tide, Tide Pods of the 1960s. The Tide, the tide Pod Challenge <laughs> of the 1960s. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 76 suspected terrorist... Who? What? Wadia Haddad. Oh, yeah. That definitely is Wadia, isn't it? Mm-hmm. She, she died after being allegedly fed poison chocolate for six months by Mossad agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good old 1990. Man was charged with killing a three-year-old girl by force-feeding her chocolate cake, where she choked to death. The next a one's woman. my favorite. It's my this favorite. is 2006. Uh-huh. More than 2006 now. A woman fights with her husband over homemade chocolate cake. She claims she attempted to leave with the cake, but her husband objection objected. They quarreled and settled it by stabbing him in the upper chest. 
neither the husband nor the cake survived. <laughs> I, I, this is one of the few I can 100% verify. And reading the article where the police officers are like, we did not expect that to escalate that way. <laughs> well, that escalated quickly. Yeah. She baked a cake, wanted to take it with her. Her husband said, no, so she stabbed a motherfucker. <laughs> in 2016 a mother of two dies after falling into a vat of molten chocolate at a russian sweet factory yeah i was gonna put the name of the factory but i couldn't pronounce it at all chernobyl chocolate cake <laughs> all right so here's the least fun part of this episode this part killed me because uh tara was talking about uh finding fair trade chocolate or ethically sourced chocolate. And I didn't know what that meant. So this is Stephanie getting a rude awakening. Um, so let me, let me get through this as best I can and try not to joke about this. Cause this is, this is more serious than the chocolate cream killer. So, so the TLDR on this is your favorite company, your favorite multinational company has probably done some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Big shocker. So Two-thirds of the world's supply of chocolate comes from West Africa, more specifically Ghana, Nigeria, and Cameroon. Now, one of the best-kept secrets is the economic and human toll of chocolate. So, economically speaking, there are cocoa future contracts that only have a 3 to 4% return of physical cocoa. 7 to 9% more of chocolate is bought and sold than actually exists. And the chocolate industry is extensive and it stretches over every continent, um, earning around $100 billion in annual, annual profits. Unfortunately, the profits are not equal, equally distributed as the farmers that grow the crop, crops only receive about 6% of the revenue compared to 35% for manufacturers and 44 for retailers. And this is something I learned about the tobacco industry as well, right? Like most of the money you're paying on a pack of cigarettes, uh, the farm sees like 20 cents. Everything else goes to the manufacturers and the state taxes, which is ridiculous, there's very little money in actually growing tobacco or growing chocolate, okay? The average annual income from cocoa cultivation is approximately $1,000 per farm. So translating that to $2.70 per day. This figure is meant to be divided amongst the workers of the farm, which can be as many as a dozen. So... In order to split the profits, instead of, okay, so farmers don't want to split up the profits any more than they have to. So they start to use enslaved child labor. So smugglers from countries as Mali and, and, and Guinea to Algeria, okay, that's where these kids are coming from. As many as 1 million children are shimmering up to trees, spraying hazardous chemicals, carrying around heavy bags of cocoa seeds and wielding sharp machetes instead of attending school. It's deplorable condition that these kids are living in. They're sustaining themselves off of corn and bananas. They, if they fail to meet required quotas or attempt to escape, they can be beaten with bicycle change or some of the cocoa branches and these kids are physically and so psychologically abru- abused 
And they're being deprived of their childhoods to lay the foundation for other countries' luxurious consumption of chocolate. And of course, these are egregious violations of international labor organizations and international human rights. They have slated this as the worst form of child labor. Big shocker, several popular chocolate brands were exposed for their participation in global exploitation of chocolate, including Hershley, Nestle's, Godiva, and Mars. Most of these even acknowledged their use of child slaves and even presented plans to purify their farms of children's slavery by uh, 2020, but I have yet to see an update. (sighs) So now you're stuck because if you want to like enjoy chocolate without the guilt, right? You kind of have to look for fair trade labels like direct trade or bean to bar or shop small. Um, So chocolate in its present state is now deadly and dangerous for kids in a way that I had not expected. My heart just, oh, it sank hard. So hard. So we have two things we should finish up on Mm -hmm. to move on from this because why not? Yeah, just don't buy chocolate for Valentine's Day, guys. (laughs) Don't do it. Mexico. I said we'd be coming back to Mexico. We're coming back to Mexico. Okay. During slavery, the South went to Mexico and said, hey, if escaped slaves come down your way, send them on back to us. And Mexico went, nah, go fuck yourself. Go Mexico. If they step foot in Mexico, they get to stay. That's great. Told you that'd be told you that would make you feel better. It it does. Right? It does. So uh need to pick a number. Give me a range. No, we need a weird but true. That's the new goodie center. That was the, the weird but true. Oh, I didn't hear the preface of that. I probably didn't say, but that was Yeah, the weird no. <laughs> okay. That is the weird but true. I love that. It's a really good I, one. I was going for a nice uplifting one this week. Yeah. I mean it balances out child slavery 100 percent Sure does. Okay, go ahead. Pick a number, dear. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, Once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Uh, I don't know. Give me a range. It's all over the board at this point. It's hit or miss. Seven. 
We did that one. 12? Did that one. 22. Did that one. Actually, Tara just did that one. It was drop, drop, and rock and roll. She went back and redid that. It looked really good. You look really pretty, by the way, Tara. We love Tara. I don't know. Give give me a range. Pick 33. 33. Okay, this is a good one for the holiday coming up. That isn't chocolate. Okay. Your non-offensive dare this week is to send a greeting card to an old friend, preferably one that is handmade. So now when you say old friend, do you mean a friend you've known for a long time or a friend who is elderly? Both. You can interpret so you that to send two you cards. Yeah, send out a few, whatever. It's really All nice. Right. Like, look, we barely take advantage of the postal system unless we're ordering off of Amazon, okay? And a pizza delivery menu shows up. There is something amazing about getting a letter in the mail. That's why I send out a lot of letters and greeting cards to people in the Macabre Academy because I think it's. Yeah, I only get nice. bills. Well, I got to get your address so I can actually send you fun things, too. I'm just saying, I get bills. That's all I get in the mail is bills. Why don't you send one to Andy? Andrew? Yeah. Usually I, just Amazon, usually, I just Amazon stuff to his house. No. I... Okay, so look. send Send out a fucking card. It's better than chocolate, and it's even better if you handmade the card yourself. Let's just go with that. All right. Because Kevin didn't even pick a new food off the menu, to my knowledge. I did. I just forgot to post a picture of it. Yeah, I don't think you, we have not posted anything on Twitter meaningful in a hot second. All I managed to find was a 1990s educational video on how to decide if a, if a murder was a cult, satanic murder or not. I love that. It well, was the fun. 90s, so yes. I anyway. Love that. I will go dig out my picture, post it on the socials. We'll see you back here next time with the same bad time, the same bad channel, the same bad expired parent coupons. And bring That's in all one. the nougat. That's an old one. Jump on back. Jump on back into the uh, nougat packed backlog <laughs> and listen. Yes. Yes. All right. We gotta, we gotta find a new script to read that was generated by a computer because that was amazing. We really do. And I need to go because my mother called during the podcast and I need to call her back. Yeah, we're at an hour and a half. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.